Let's pray together and ask God to, uh, to meet us in the word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the ways you're working. And thank you for your faithfulness and your love for us and all that we have in Jesus. And I, I ask for your help now, Lord, as I teach and preach. Would you give me wisdom? Would you give me the, the right heart? And Lord, would you open up all of our hearts so we can learn new things and so that we can, can hear your passion and your zeal to display your glory and build your church and advance the gospel. So come and do a mighty work now, Lord, in all of us, in me and in all of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Very good. Well, you may be wondering why we would do a series on elders and deacons. Not the most scintillating sounding topic, I imagine. Uh, but let me just share with you a couple of reasons why, so that you'll have a sense of what what we're praying will happen through this. First reason I want to mention is because it's important that we understand what the scriptures teach about how Jesus has set up his church to, to run, to be governed, to be structured. It's been a long time since we here at Mercy Hill have taught on church government and what the scriptures teach about it. And lots of us come from very different backgrounds. I would guess some of you come from backgrounds where like one pastor made all the decisions. Or others of you are from a background where the congregation kind of had ultimate authority. Or others of you are from a background where a deacon board made decisions. Or maybe you're from a background where you weren't sure if anybody made any decisions. It's all kinds of different church backgrounds that we can have. But for us to come together and to study the scriptures, and so that you can understand what our convictions are here at Mercy Hill Church about how the church is to be structured, that's one of our reasons for wanting to do this series. Second, we need to raise up more elders. So right now, Jerry Ship. And myself, wherever Jerry is back there, there's Jerry. Right now we have two elders, just Jerry and myself. But for a church of our size, optimal would be four, maybe five elders, even more if the Lord raises them up. Uh, right, what we're doing right now, just with Jerry and I, because you know we feel like there's two elders, uh, the, what we've done is ask the home group leader guys, if we have any decisions that are big or that we aren't in, in sync on, we'll ask the home group leader guys to come in and help us process that, but that's, that's not an optimal situation. So we're praying for God to raise up more elders. I would love to see four or even five. And I'm praying that God will use this teaching next, today, next week, and the following week, three weeks, to stir up some of you men to consider eldership and to take steps to grow into that responsibility. That's the second reason. We need to raise up more elders. Third reason. We need to raise up deacons. We've never had official deacons here. And Jerry and I, studying the scriptures, we've become persuaded that there are two main governing, leading, ministering offices in the New Testament. There's elders and there's deacons. But we've never really put deacons in place. And so I want to teach on what the Lord's been showing Jerry and I and for two reasons. One is so we can recognize those in our midst who are already functioning as deacons, and we can call you that so that you can find yourself in the Bible. Here you are, right? First Timothy 3. That's me. And let's teach on this because we want to, and we're praying that God will raise up more deacons. So that's the third reason. Fourth reason, uh, because Jerry and I have been learning more about eldership. So we've been doing some fresh study recently in the scriptures about what elders are and uh, what elders' requirements are to be. Um, 
what their qualities should be, what their functions should be. We've, we've read dozens of pages. You should thank Derry, Jerry for this especially. We've read dozens of pages of other documents from other churches who are like-minded to us and how they uh, assess and install and equip and train um, elders. And so we've learned some new things. And what I want to do in this series is to share with you some of the new things that we've, we've learned. So there's four reasons, and so we've just been praying over the last couple of months, when should we do this? And we thought probably this summer sometime we would take a break in Isaiah, or maybe in the fall. So this last Tuesday morning, I was uh, starting to read Isaiah 55, which would have been our next chapter in Isaiah, and just praying, saying, Lord, what do you want to do this next Sunday? What do you, you know, open my eyes to this passage. And I feel like the Holy Spirit told me that we should start this series now on elders and deacons this Sunday. So that's why we're taking a break from Isaiah. We will be back in Isaiah. I'm loving Isaiah. But I believe God wants us to take this step now. As I mentioned, after, after God spoke to you, I called Jerry. Jerry, what do you think? Should we do this? Yes, yes, so, so we're here. Now, let me just kind of give you an overview of, of, uh, of how I want you to view this series. Our, our passion, like what stirs my heart, what gets me up out of bed in the morning, is the, the dream of seeing Christ treasuring men and women and children raised up here and sent out into the South Bay Area. And to see Christ treasuring families strengthened here, built here, and spreading the gospel into their neighborhoods, like we prayed for the wands this morning. And to see Christ treasuring home groups come together, full of love, helping each other move, like Heidi shared about, advancing the gospel together, and to see these Christ-treasuring home groups spread throughout the South Bay area, and then as God works, we're praying that that through these home groups spreading out and the gospel spreading, we'll see Christ-treasuring churches planted, like in Santa Teresa and the North Valley and Willow Glen and Cupertino and wherever it might be. That's that's our vision, that's our longing, is to see that happen. But to see those things happen, we need more leaders and we need more workers. Okay? From us right here, more leaders and more workers. You think you're talking to him. I'm talking to you and him and her and all these people. We need more leaders and more workers. And in the New Testament, leaders and workers are called elders and deacons. And so as I teach on elders and deacons, I'm praying that right now, in these next few minutes, the Holy Spirit will stir some of your hearts to take some steps ahead in these areas. All right? So let's dig in. The first question I want to raise is, what offices has Jesus established for the church? And to answer that, let's turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. So if you need a Bible now, raise your hand, because I'd like you all to be able to look up these passages with us. Philippians chapter 1 is on page 980 in the Bibles that we're passing out. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, page 980, keep your hands raised. All right, page 980 in the Bibles that we are just now passing out. Philippi, this letter called Philippians, was written to a church that Paul had planted in a Roman city called Philippi, right on the coast of the Aegean Sea, north part of the Aegean Sea. And look at how Paul starts off this letter. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, that's page 980 in the Bibles we're passing out. Look at what he says. Paul and Timothy... Servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. If you're wondering who that is, remember that 
Through trusting Jesus Christ, sinners become what? Saints. If you're trusting Jesus Christ right now, you are Saint Paul, Saint Chris, Saint Minglon, okay, right? You're saints. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven, you're washed clean, you're clothed in his righteousness. That's the body of Christ. That's the whole church. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. So Paul is assuming that as he writes this letter, as it's being read there in Philippi, that the people hearing it will know who he's talking about. He says, with the overseers. They'll think, oh, that's right. Overseer. There's an overseer. I know who the overseers are. And with the deacons. There's a deacon. There's a deacon. I know who the deacons are. And so the church at Philippi knew that there were two groups of people who had offices, official positions, overseers, deacons. Okay, so who are the deacons? I'm going to come back to this more in the next two weeks, but let me just give you a couple of sentences on this. Deacons, our conviction is, are women and men who have recognized positions of service in the church. I believe God calls both women and men to be deacons. And I'll be explaining my reasons for that uh, either next week or the following week. But you can read through 1 Timothy 3 and you'll start to maybe see some of my reasons for that. This is an area in which people who love Jesus and love the Bible can agree. I've got some friends who think only men should be deacons and I love them, but I think they're wrong. Okay, I think it's women and men. I'll try to give you my reasons biblically why Okay, when we get there. And so women and men to be deacons. And what deacons have is a recognized position of service in the church. Now the reason I say that is just simply because of the word deacon. The word deacon is a translation of the Greek word diakonia. Right? Diakonia, deacon, get it? Okay. It's just we've made, taken an English word and made it sound like the Greek word. It's kind of a strange thing. But the word diakonia means servant. So what Paul is really saying is, we're writing to all the believers are in Philippi with the overseers and the servants. You may think, well, isn't that all of them? Don't all believers serve? Isn't everybody in the body of Christ a servant? Yes. But the fact that he names some as deacons shows that there are some who have an official recognized position of service in the church. So I'll be talking more about deacons in the next couple of weeks. But for now, just keep in mind, Women and men who have recognized positions of service in the church. Okay, now for the rest of the time this morning, I want to focus on overseers. Who are overseers? Overseers, also called in the Bible uh, elders, pastors, shepherds, those are all the same office in our understanding. It's a team of men who are responsible under Jesus Christ to lead, teach, love, protect, shepherd his church. That's what overseers are. Now let's just start with getting our terminology right. Overseers are the same thing as elders. Now to show you that, look at Acts chapter 20. That's page 929 of the Bible we just passed out. I want to show you that overseers are the same thing as elders. Acts chapter 20, page 929. Notice what Luke says in verse 17. He says, Now from Miletus, he sent to, he, Paul, sent to Ephesus 
and called the elders of the church to come to him. Okay, so Paul is in Miletus. He sends a messenger to Ephesus and says, have all the elders come to me in Miletus. I want to talk to them. So Paul is there. He's now talking to all the elders. Are you with me so far? He's talking to all the elders. Now look at what he calls them in verse 28. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's talking to the elders And he says, elders, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Elders are overseers. Overseers are elders. Same. Keep reading. It's made you overseers. I just have to mention these last two phrases. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Why does Paul talk that way? It's because... Our sinfulness was so great that the only way we could become the church, the only way we could become saints, the only way we could be forgiven, justified, adopted into God's family, knowing his love and his faithfulness and his promises like we've been sharing about this morning, the only way that could happen with someone as sinful as me was if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, had to die so that I could be forgiven. My sin was that great. Which shows both the great the, the, the depth of my sin and the love of Christ for me and for you. And so Paul wants the elders to understand, he wants them to tremble. This is how much Jesus loves the church that he's calling you to care for. That's how much Jesus loves the church. There's a verse in Hebrews 13 where uh, the author says that elders will give an account to Jesus for their care of the church, this church which he has purchased with his own blood. Those kind of verses, this one in Hebrews 13, makes me tremble because what this means is that when I stand before Jesus Christ, when any elder stands before the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to ask me, each elder, give an account for how you cared for the church which I purchased with my own blood. Pray for us. Okay? Pray for us. This is weighty stuff. Okay, so Acts 20. Do you see that overseers are called elders in Acts 20? Are you persuaded by that? If you're not yet, just jot down 1 Timothy 3. Notice Paul starts off talking about requirements for overseers, then he mentions elders two verses later. So they're they're synonymous there too. You can see that. All right, now... What about pastors? Where do pastors fit in here? And it's interesting that we all talk about pastors, uh, but the word pastor rarely occurs in the New Testament. In fact, I checked yesterday in my computer Bible software program, and the word pastor never shows up in the ESV version because they translate it literally. Do you know what what the word pastor is in the Greek literally? It's shepherd. That's how it's translated. Shepherd, right? Shepherd takes sheep to where? Pastures. They pastor sheep. That's that's how the etymology works. But when you read through the the places where overseers are talked about and where elders are talked about, it's very frequently linked up with the call to shepherd, to pastor. And so my conclusion is that overseers equals elders equals pastors equals shepherds. Those are all four different words for the same office in the New Testament. Okay, does that make sense? So just keep that in the back of your mind. So we're talking about the same thing there. Now, the word that's used most often is elder, which is the word that we're going to use most often here at Mercy Hill, just because it's most, the most frequently used word in the New Testament. Now, elders are teams of men. 
Okay, I believe deacons are both women and men. I believe elders are men. God calls men to be elders. That's not because women are inferior to men, because they're not. Okay, God has created women equal with men. God equally gifts women and men. God equally ministers through women and men. But when you read the scriptures, it's clear that God has chosen men to be uh, the, the, the loving, serving head and leader in the household and in the church. I mean, Ephesians 5 is, is an important verse to, to chew over for the household. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Now, men, lest you let that go to your head and start like strutting now because you've heard that, remember what Jesus did to be head of the church? He laid down his life for the church. That's the mark of the kind of love that we're to have for our wives. So the fact that you're called to be head should make you tremble because Jesus is going to hold you responsible for taking care of his daughter, or his sister, whatever, you, what, anyway, of your wife, okay? He's going to call you to account for how you've loved. Did you lay your life down for her? That's what headship means. It means leading, protecting, providing, loving. And then in terms of the church, 1 Timothy 2.12, Paul says that in the church is to be the men who teach and lead the men. Okay? 1 Timothy 2.12. So elders are are a team of men. I also want to emphasize that they're a team of men. Every time, I think, check me on this, every time elders or overseers are described in a church, there's more than one. There's no place where there's one sole elder that that I found anyway. Check it out, see if you agree. There's a plurality. Elders work together as a team, wrestling with decisions, praying together, shepherding the flock, leading the flock. It's a team of men who work together in that capacity. So the elders are really a team of men who share authority under Jesus Christ, over the church. That's what elders are. Okay, now, if you are really unfamiliar with the idea of elders, you might your head might just be reeling right now, just thinking, I've never heard of elders. What are you talking about? This is weird, you know? It's like, well, here's a question that helped me when I was first studying these things. Because my background uh, was in a church that had no elders. All we had was pastors and deacons. I don't know why they didn't have elders, but there was no elders. And I remember how amazing it was when I started to study the word elder because I heard people talking about it and it was all over the place. Um, And I want to show you this because not only are elders mentioned way more than pastors and elders really are pastors, but it looks like every single New Testament church had a team of elders. Let me give you one illustration. Acts 14, 21 to 23. That's page 923 in your Bibles that we just passed out. Acts 14, 21 through 23. Look at what Luke says about Paul's uh, church planting itinerary here. Acts 14, 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city, talking about the city of Derby, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, where Paul had already planted churches strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So he goes back through each of these churches and he he preaches them this message, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. That's an important message for us to hear, right? 
Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God because so often we believers, we think, yikes, there's tribulations. I'm on the wrong road. Paul says, no, no, no. The road to heaven goes through tribulations. Oh, this is the right road. Yes, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Important message. But then look at the second reason why Paul went back to each of these cities. Verse 23, when they had appointed elders, plural, elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So one of the reasons why Paul, instead of just going straight back home, he first, we've got re, to revisit all the churches we've just planted, was because he wanted to plant a team of, uh, appoint a team of elders in each of those churches. A team of elders in Derby, a team of elders in Iconium, a team of elders in Pisidian Antioch, a team of elders in all these cities that he planted churches in. Which looks, I mean, doesn't that look like Paul wanted a team of elders in every church? That's my conclusion. And you can see this throughout the New Testament. Just a couple other, you just jot these down. Like in 1 Peter, chapter 5, we read that Peter's assuming that all of his readers know who the elders are, and that the elders are going to be reading that. So who did Peter write his letter to? All the churches in almost all of Turkey. Pontus, I wrote them all down here. Some of you can look it up. 1 Peter chapter 1. It's that whole area of modern-day Turkey. It's massive geographical area. Peter's writing 1 Peter to all the churches there, and he talks about elders. The elders among you shepherd the church of God. Okay? James. Remember James 5? If you're sick, what's one of the things that you can do? Who do you ask to pray for you? The elders. Who's James written to? We studied James a few months ago. James was written to believers who had to flee Jerusalem to avoid persecution, and they went north to northern Palestine, Syria, that area. And so those churches there had elders that you could go and ask to pray for you. Book of Acts, we see elders in Jerusalem. We've already seen elders in Ephesus. Book of Titus, the churches in Crete. Paul wanted Titus to appoint elders in all the churches in Crete. Okay, so that's why we here at Mercy Hill Church are being led by a team of elders, elder overseers, Elder overseer, pastor shepherds, that's all the same office, okay? Does that make sense? You can raise some questions about that later if you want to. Now, what are elders called to do? Five responsibilities. First, they're to live exemplary lives. So turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is page 992 in the Bibles that we passed out. There's two times in the New Testament where Paul lists qualifications for elders. And the the bar is set high. It's a little awkward for me to be talking about this because I'm an elder, but um, it's just reality. And And it's been really interesting for me this week to think that Jesus wants a team of men over his church who live exemplary lives. doesn't mean that they're perfect, Lord knows I am not, but here's here's one list. Just to give you a feel, elders are called to live exemplary lives. Verse 1, the the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, faithful, loving, sober-minded, Self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, 
able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, those who don't know the Lord, who aren't part of the the church body, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Just as I thought about that afresh, the fact that there's these two lists where Paul lists what qualities elders need to have, it just struck me that I mean, Jesus wants his church, each, he wants each of, his, each of his churches to be led by men like that. It's a beautiful thing to think about. Just, you know, he loves his church that much. It also showed me how powerfully the gospel is able to change men, how powerfully the Holy Spirit can change men. But when I read over this list, I mean, I just immediately become keenly aware of my own shortcomings and, and, and I get humbled and I just would ask you, pray for Jerry, pray for me. We, that I would hope you, you'd put us on your prayer list and pray for the Mercy Hill elders regularly. I know many of you do. If you don't, I would, I would plead with you to do that. Because we're called to live exemplary lives. And your prayers will help us tremendously as God increases his work upon us. Second, they're to care for the church, love the church. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 3. This is that verse I was mentioning to you earlier. 1 Peter 5, that's page 1016, 1016 in the Bibles we passed out. It's a powerful charge that Peter gives to elders. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Look at what he says. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, I know I'm an elder, and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, brothers, I saw our Savior on the cross. Listen to me. I saw him suffering. And as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed, brothers, I've tasted the glory that will be ours when we behold Jesus on that final day. I'm a fellow elder. I've seen the sufferings of Christ. I've tasted the glory that's going to be all of ours as we see Jesus. So therefore, men, shepherd the flock of God that's among you. Shepherd the flock. Exercising oversight. Not under compulsion, I have to, but willingly, from the heart. You want to, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, either because I want to get recognized or I want money, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So we're to shepherd the flock. Elders are to love and care for and shepherd, teach, lead, protect, guide the flock. Okay, now, here at Mercy Hill Church, the the main way that we've structured the church so that you get cared for is in our home groups. That's the main way that shepherding and caring and nurture like this takes place. Just like, again, the Jacobi's moving, that kind of thing. That's the main way we've, we've structured this. 
And so as we thought and prayed, and as we've looked at how some other churches like ours who put an emphasis on home groups or missional communities, we think that probably every elder needs to be a home group leader or needs to be over home groups that he has led and maybe branched out. Probably. Not a requirement, because that's not the Bible doesn't require that, but just as a path of wisdom. That's probably what we should be aiming towards and, and looking to. Because that's how the care and the nurture is expressed in our in our church. Third, they're to teach the Bible to the church. Uh, look at 1 Timothy 3, verse 2. This is page 992 in the Bibles we just passed out. I should mention, um, that doesn't mean that every home group leader is going to be an elder. Okay? But we think that probably it's wisest for every elder to be a home group leader. Okay. Look at 1 Timothy 3, 2, page 992. I already read this, but just look at it again. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Okay, now that doesn't mean that every elder needs to, needs to have a calling to preach or need to have that level of gifting. Some are called to do that, especially we read in what Paul says later in 1 Timothy. But every elder needs to be able to communicate God's word clearly. Individuals, groups, individ- clear communication of God's word is something that, that every elder is, is required to be able to do. That's part of their job is to feed the flock. Right? To, to have the word be going forth clearly. Fourth, they're to lead and set policy for the church. 1 Timothy 5.17, just two chapters later, page 993. 1 Timothy 5.17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So elders are to rule, not in some kind of a heavy-handed way, but for the health of the flock, for the protection, for the safety, for the well-being of the flock, to set policy along those lines, to lead, lead in that way. Okay, and then one last one, fifth, to train and equip other leaders and teachers. Now this was, has been a new thought for us. But look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. See if, if you're persuaded by this like I was. It's page 977, by the way, in the Bibles we just passed out. Ephesians 4 11 and 12. A couple of the churches whose documents we read referred to this and mentioned this, and the light just went on when I read that. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He gave, God gave, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. I'm not sure if we have apostles today or not. I've got a lot of questions about that. Prophets are, are, are men or women who've prophesied regularly so that the body is recognized, that they regularly hear from God in helpful ways. Evangelists are those who regularly are effective in leading people to Christ. And then the shepherds and teachers, that's the overseers, that's the elders. Just another way of describing the elders and the overseers, shepherds and teachers. So he gave the shepherds and the teachers one of the reasons, along with these other offices, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. Okay, so, so one responsibility that Jesus gives to elders is that they equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You do understand, right, that it's not the elders who do the ministry and the church, go, go, minister, do it. No, but... The church does the ministry. The elders equip the church to do the ministry. You are the ministers. 
right? And so one of the job of elders is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So elders need to be able to train up men who read the Bible, who pray earnestly, passionately for their families, for their kids, for their city, for their workplace, who love their wives, love their kids, manage their money well, work hard at their jobs, love brothers and sisters, build community, advance the gospel, lead people to Christ, help others to do the same. So elders need to be able to raise up men who follow Jesus in those ways and lead others to follow Jesus. Elders need to be men who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. That's something that God calls us to do, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. So there's five requirements, callings upon the elders. So here's, here's my question. Men, are there any of you right now this morning and your heart's beating a little faster thinking, that's what I want to do. That's for God's glory, right? Not for some kind of position, but I would love to give my life to doing that. I would love to be involved in doing that. If so, Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.1, if you aspire to this office, you desire a noble task. So I'm praying that right now some of your hearts are like, I'd like to move towards what that might mean and how I might discern if that's my calling or not. Okay, well, here, here's the deal. If you have questions that come up during this next week, jot them down because we'll do the same thing next week. So Because you may have some like, well, wait a minute. You may think of them later on. So here's, here's two takeaways I want to challenge us to. First of all, I focused on elders today. We'll be talking about deacons in the weeks to come. So I'm going to focus on elders. If your heart, men, gets stirred up hearing about what elders are called to do, would you talk to your home group leader? Or would you talk to Jerry or talk to me? Okay, if your heart just gets stirred up about that. Because they, Jerry and I, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you about this. We'd love to, to train you, to help you, to, to give you opportunities to test this gifting, to see if this is what the Lord's given you, a, a gifting and a calling and an aptitude to do. We want to encourage in every way. That may be the trajectory God as you go in. He may direct you more towards being a deacon. That's different. We'll be talking about that. But, but if God's stirring your heart, we want to, to do all we can to facilitate, to help, to encourage, to raise up more elders here at Mercy Hill Church. That's the first thing I want to mention. And then secondly, I just want to close with this. Would you pray for Jerry and for me? Would you pray for us? We need your prayers. Pray for us for wisdom. Pray for us for protection. Pray for us for holiness and love and care. Pray for us to have God's heart for Mercy Hill Church and God's vision for Mercy Hill Church. We need your prayers. So pray for us. Okay, let's stand up. I want to pray over us. And then at the end, I always like to ask if anybody's got a need for prayer, I'd love to have you come forward and let us pray for you. For any need at all, I mean, maybe pertaining to the message, it may be unrelated, but if it's a need that you have, if, you're, if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus Christ today, we'd love to pray for you about that. If you are struggling with an area of temptation, we'd love to pray for you before you go. We'll keep it all very private and very confidential, but we'd love to pray for you. We'll just have people up here who will pray for you in small groups, and we'd love to lift up any need, employment, finances, whatever it might be. But let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love for your church, the bride. Thank you that you long to have every church led by a team of 
godly, holy, wise men. It just shows your love for the church. I love that picture, Lord, of each church being led in that way. We want to have that happen here more and more. So, Lord, I pray that right now you'd be stirring some of the men here just with a, a longing, like, I, I, I'd like to do that. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'd love to glorify you in that way. And so I pray that you would be stirring men and you'd be raising up elders. And then, Lord, if you talk about deacons, you'd be doing the same with men and women to be deacons. So thank you for your word. Thank you so much for what you're doing here at Mercy Hill. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that we're poised, Lord, to advance. Thank you for how well our home groups are going and the, the love that's there, the, the mission that's happening. And Lord, we need more leaders. We need more workers. So Lord, would you raise them up, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.